get myself organized. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again and we do appreciate that we can come together in your name this morning as a family. Father, we thank you for your word that we can read, we can learn from. And thank you, Lord, for the, the, the words that you've given me this morning, that uh, Holy Spirit, you would use them to touch people's lives this morning. That all of us, we would be open to hear from you in whatever manner. In Jesus' name, amen. In the 1970s and 80s, there was a couple living in East Bundaberg. Their names were Peter and Norma. Peter was an Italian. Norma was an Aboriginal. They had 10 children, all growing up and going to school and uh, doing what young kids do in Bundaberg, I guess, as much as they would have everywhere else around Australia. And... uh, Peter was an Italian, did I say that? Yeah, Yeah, okay, good. You're listening so far. That's good, you're still with me. (laughs) So I guess Dad being Italian and Mum being an Aboriginal, sadly racism was a part of their life. They'd be called names by classmates and sporting opponents. I can remember being in under-18s football, one of our teammates was an Aboriginal. I still have a clear picture of playing on Island Park in Casterton in Western Victoria. And uh, I was near him on the field this day and this other one of our opponents said some very not nice words about his where he come from. And I went over to him and I said, mate, you, you're going to put up with that? He said, oh, you know, it's part of being who I am. I just got to you know, put up with it. Oh, okay, that's a good attitude. A little while later in the game... There was a scramble on the ground for the ball. And next minute, a bloke came flying backwards, flat on his back, holding onto his jaw. That wasn't my Aboriginal, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Little did the guy know who spoke to my teammate that he was quite a good boxer. I think memory, I, he, has, he did at least fight at state level. I'm not sure, can't remember whether he had any championships, but he was... So, I just, as we walked past, I just looked at him and I smiled at him and he smiled back at me. That's probably not the way to deal with it, but that's just getting a feel... I'm sure Bundaberg in the 1970s was probably similar. Someone's from Bundaberg, obviously. (laughs) No, (laughs) you're not. (laughs) But probably all around Australia and probably other nations as well, sadly. We hope it's come a little bit better. But mum would say to them, yes, you are black and don't let anybody put you down because of it. You be proud. Don't ever let anyone make you feel lesser because of it. Thankfully, the hard-working ethic of his father Peter and the social justice of mum Norma meant the children were never defined by racism. It never led to any sort of chip on the shoulder. Sport as I've already said, was a large part of their life, this family's life. Rugby league, hockey, cricket featured predominantly. 
One of the boys recalls an awkward, intimate childhood moment during an inter-school cricket match that had an undeniable impact on his life. A teacher placed his hanky between the boy's ankle and the strap of the cricket pad that had been rubbing a sizable blister. Not much of a great thing to do, is it? The boy says it was an intimacy thing that I wasn't used to with a teacher and that gesture cost him nothing. But it was a powerful thing because it was a demonstration he cared for me. The result for the kid who was a well-known class clown, I never played up for him again. You see, little things count. We live in a world that is full of bad news, don't we? I was leaving this morning and the news was on and the two items I heard as I was leaving home, a young teenage boy had been killed in a bike accident in Sydney, I think, and on Friday a pregnant lady was killed in a car accident in Hobart. So I'm glad I got out of there. I didn't want to hear any more. But when I go on Google now, I get all these news items on my page. And you'd rarely see a good one. We're just bombarded, aren't we, with, with negative news. And, uh, but, you know, and that's reality, though, that life can be tough. It can be unfair. It can be cruel. But when someone does one little thing in our day, it can certainly brighten our world, can't it? What is probably insignificant to them really counts. In Matthew chapter 5, we read, verse 13, Matthew 5, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Can we do something to brighten someone's world regularly, daily? But you see, it's, a, it's an attitude of choice. It's a lifestyle. See, I could, this morning, I could say to challenge you all, let's do one thing this week and touch somebody else. Do a little thing for someone. If I'm lucky, 25% of us might do that. But it has to be more than just one challenge for a week. It has to be a mindset change. I was heard a little bit of Brian Houston from the Hillsong Church was on Fresh FM this morning as I was coming and he was talking about John 9 2 where the disciples were talking about a blind man and they asked the question to Jesus so who sinned this man or his parents they were looking for something or someone to blame for the situation and Jesus re reply was neither it was the works it is for the works of God should be revealed in him and Brian was saying, so basically Jesus was saying to his disciples, don't worry about 
the blame. Don't worry about why, you know, who you can look at. Just fix it. Just do something. Far better. See, if, we, if I put out a challenge, we can fall into a trap. We can leave here out of the air-conditioned, fans going, nice and cool environment, all together happy. And yes, this week, I'm going to do a good deed for one person every day. So the trouble with that is, number one, if you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, you're going for a walk and you help a lady cross the road at 6 o'clock in the morning, I've done my good deed, I don't need to do any more today. Or you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, you go to bed at 11 o'clock at night and you go, oh, I didn't do anything today. Oh, no, that means I've got to do two tomorrow to make up. You'll condemn yourself if you have the mentality of I must do. That's why it has to be a, uh, it has to be a choice of changing our attitude, our mental attitude. <coughs> it's not a conscious thought but an automatic reaction to be more Christ-like. Many years ago there was a little boy and he went to a meeting. And there was some speaker there, the crowd was huge and he managed to get himself up near the front and it uh, seemed to be like the meeting was coming to a bit of an end and he was just sort of wandering around out the front and here was the speaker and some of his mates were talking and uh, the speaker said, hey guys, I want you to feed all these people. And his mates are going, how are we going to do that? The miles from a supermarket, we're not going to be able to. And in true childlike fashion, the little boy had five loaves and two small fish. Now the adults would go, if it was me, oh, not much point giving them that. That's not going to go anywhere. But don't you love kids? You're talking about being a million dollars in debt and they'll get their piggy bank with $3.63 and here you can use this to help. Yes, well, that's what the little boy did. This might help. And so the little boy sat and watched in amazement as this man took this, prayed for it, gave it to his mates, told them to go and give it out to everybody and then collect what's left over. Imagine the little boy's look when he saw 12 baskets of bread left over from his little five loaves and two fish. Little things count. One little thing that changed a day for over 5,000 people. The Bible records it as men, whether it was, men, whether it was a men's meeting or whether it was men and women there we don't really know but 5,000 men to start with is not a bad crowd is it when the people saw him do this miraculous sign they exclaimed surely he is the prophet we have been expecting their life was changed by a little act of one little boy all things are possible with God who knows what God can do when we do one little thing, little things count. Little acts of kindness can break cycles in people's lives. I don't know about you, but I've seen and I've met many people that their family life is not the best and it gets passed down to the next generation, to the next generation 
to the next generation. Sometimes by one little act, that cycle can be broken and that person and the following generations can be, can be improved, can be helped, can be far better. Our boy's life in Bungerberg could have turned out quite differently, I expect, except for a little thing a teacher did. It was one little thing that counted in the boy's life and I dare say the teacher possibly had no idea of the impact that his little act had on this boy. So just imagine this morning what our little acts could do. The lonely could have a friend who in return they would be start becoming friendly to others. Broken relationships, there are many, whether it's friends, workplace relationships, marriages, rectified, and then the people going on helping others through one small little act. Those with addictions, being helped and not judged, set free and educating others in dangers of all types of drugs, use, gambling, all kinds of manner of addictions. Those struggling with finances, being helped out, and what's their term nowadays, paying forward or something? See, the cycle is changing. You change one, then it changes the next. It continues to go on. Imagine us night chaplains could stay home on a Saturday night and sleep because there's no one out on the town getting drunk and violent. That could all start from one little act. We may never know what our act could do or how it, how it unfolds. There was a, uh, back in 1984 it must have been, I was living in Karoi and I was a youth group leader. It was a pretty good youth, uh, youth group. The, the numbers were, you know, nowadays you've got to have so many leaders per numbers. Well, I think we had about seven leaders to five kids, so I think it was pretty good. It worked quite well. <laughs> <laughs> there was a young man there who I, well, I didn't think I'd sort of paid any more attention to than anybody else. And some years later, I was talking to my friend who was the, the, the leader of the group and we were just talking about where some of these kids have ended up and that. And He said, I remember, I can't even remember his name. Remember such and such? I said, oh, yeah, he, was a, he seemed like a good, good young fella. And he said, yeah, he's still going to the Uniting Church down somewhere in Brisbane and yada, yada. And I saw him not long ago and he commented how much he looked at me and what, how I had influenced him. I thought, really? <laughs> I had no idea. And, and that kept him in, he, in his, his walk with Christ, or, or part of it. So we don't know how we're going to influence people. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Little things count. Many of us would know the two greatest commandments. Jesus was asked, what's, what's, what is the greatest commandment? And this is his, well, I went too early. 
Here we go. We'll get you back onto that focus. What's that say? Little things, Little things count. Good, good. And the two greatest commandments are these, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The Amplified says, you shall unselfishly love your neighbour as yourself. You know, it's a sad thing that I often see the first thing that Christians will let go is the second commandment. They continue loving God, but they have a real hard time unselfishly loving their neighbour. If we can do that, we should have that attitude continually of loving our neighbour, whether our neighbour is our fellow Christian or someone out in the world. We need to be continually having that attitude of being able to help. This is Chris Sara. He's from East Bundaberg. Can you guess who his parents are? Yeah, you got it? This is the young boy from Bundaberg. He completed high school in 1984 and went on to be a teacher. In 1998, he was appointed as the principal for the Sherberg State School. That was, uh, I'll just read from an article. Sarah had taken teaching students from USQ, I think that's the University of Southern Queensland, to Sherberg previously and always found it depressing. There was no learning integrity or pride in the place, he says, and the teachers would explain to us why it was the way it was, almost as though you just had to accept it. Sarah wasn't prepared to accept it, and he said so right from the start. At the first school assembly, he told the children, the most important thing that you'll learn from me is that you can be Aboriginal and you can be successful. For those who don't know, Sherberg was a Aboriginal mission, and so the, the town of Sherberg, that area, is still predominantly Aboriginal people, so that, that's why that statement was made. Through working with parents and the community, changing the culture at school until he had teachers and community leaders who believed what he did. Slowly, slowly, the tide started to turn. Sarah told the children they were strong and smart, and he told them and told them until they started believing it. After six years, attendance had soared from 63% to 94%. While year seven literacy, literacy climbed from the bottom of the pack to 81% of the school students achieving the state average. Sarah has a diploma of teaching, a bachelor of education, a master of education. In 2005, he completed his PhD in psychology at Murdoch University. His autobiography was published in 2012. In 2004, Sarah was Queenslander of the Year and in 2010, he was Queensland's Australian of the Year. Sarah sits on the Australian Rugby League Commission. That's worth a wow, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mate, I dropped out in year 11. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, with all that behind him, I find it fascinating that he obviously had great parents 
I, I assume from the article that I read that and their attitude towards life, towards racism and to these things, he was grounded in a very, very solid, probably loving, caring family. And yet, it was the one small act of a teacher in a school cricket match that changed his life. Isn't that amazing? The little things we do for others may not have a life-changing effect as in Chris Sarah's life, but then again, you never know. Let's stand together. Little things count. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, a, st a story of a, a man like Chris Sarah and how just something, what to many of us would probably seem so insignificant, most likely to the teacher who did it. And yet it changed a young boy's life. And he's accomplished so much and helped so many in our nation. Father, I thank you, Lord, that as we become more like you, that we can be like that teacher, not thinking about it, not wondering why he hasn't got a pair of socks on to protect his ankles or whatever, but that we would just always be ready to do that small act. that little things would count. May we in this church be a group of people that would influence, however small or great, our community. And we thank you, Lord, that we can only do this through you. And that as we shine our light, that lives will be changed. People will be set free. And we give you all praise and all the honour. In Jesus' name. Amen.